Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor and, and Trish McGregor and our tech magician producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is The Shift, reports from the Mystical Underground. Trisha's latest novel is White Crows. Rob's latest novel is Tulpas. Ian Karras is a leading transformational facilitator, a leadership consultant, and a master mystic. She's the founding director of Know the Self, a mystery school for modern day living. For nearly 30 years, she's been a visionary of evolutionary consciousness, seeding new business initiatives and eco communities to protect our future. Her extensive client list includes leading corporations, economists, elite businessmen, <clears throat> royals, and spiritual leaders in India, Japan, and the USA. She's the author of Synchronicity, Unlock Your Divine Destiny, a contributing author to Second Chances from, from Surviving to Thriving, and she serves on the board of the Coincidence Project, whose mission is to illuminate the invisible currents that connect us. Welcome, Aeon. Welcome, Aeon. <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me. Okay. So you uh, you told us before we uh, went on air here that you've been traveling around the, the world. Uh, are, you, are you promoting your book? And do, uh, how do you do that? Do you have friends that live in different places you can stay with? And... <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and yes. Uh, so, I yes, I'm promoting the, the new release of my book, uh, Synchronicity. And so I've decided that for a whole year, I'm going to practice what I preach and live through synchronicity by being on the road and, you know, also promoting the book, bringing it to um, people and places that uh, I wouldn't normally, I, I'm kind of shy to share my work. So I'm, I'm pushing myself a little bit, getting out on the road. And also, you know, since COVID and all the lockdowns, I feel um, a lot of disconnection has happened with my own network. So I'm restitching my golden network, visiting the communities that I helped form and um, people I love. It, it feels like, you know, that feeling like, okay, th there's never enough to like take a holiday or go <laughs> visit all the people. And I realized, you know what, <clears throat> there's so many people in the world that I miss and I haven't seen in years. I'm going to go to them. So yes, I am visiting friends and family around the world. Um, while I promote my book and I'm doing it in a synchronistic manner. So it's not a typical book tour where I've got like dates lined up everywhere. I'm, I'm letting it unfold and I'm letting spirit um, guide and direct me as I just engage and connect with people. And it's, it's been really fun so far. So I'm enjoying it. Well, tra uh, travel itself yeah. is uh, 
generates synchronicity is because of all the uncertainties. Uh, you're not in a, a normal pattern doing the same thing over and over day after day. So actually, we wrote a book called The Synchronicity Highway, which is about travel synchronicity. So you're probably having a, a few uh, as you go along, uh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I actually had one. So I, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going to go next. I'm just really trying to leave it out. It's really hard for me, by the way, because I'm a Virgo. I love to plan. I like to know, you know, I want to know where I'm going to be sleeping, what's going to happen. And and also I'm I'm not doing it on a huge budget. So I don't want to uh, be like um, staying in hotels and all of that because this is a, a year long, right? So it's, um, but it's been really fun so far. Like my dreams have informed me. And then certain opportunities, certain people will call me. Um, like I had a dream about a, a bear. So I knew I was going somewhere cold. And then a few days later, someone invited me to um, take over their penthouse for a month through the holidays in Chicago. So that's how I ended up in Chicago. And then when I landed, someone mentioned Wisconsin. And I was like, wait, are we close <laughs> to Wisconsin? And there's a community there I started, um, I helped start 12 years back. So then I, um reached out to them then I ended up in Wisconsin with them exactly um at the 12 year anniversary from we started the community 12 years ago but it was the exact week that I was wow. here it was right in time where they needed me and it was I needed that you know it was just like this beautiful synchronistic experience so that's yeah how I'm what kind I'm of community where I'm needed. Mm -hmm. what kind of community um, they're uh, an intentional community. It's a, a hundred. It's called the Bridget Center. It's a. They purchased uh, a couple purchased a 150 year old church um, from from the Catholic Church and turned it into like a, um, a permaculture center, a learning center, huh. a community center where they're doing self development and um, you know managing the land, stewarding mm -hmm. the land. Um, so oh, cool. I, I arrived right on Bridget's day, like right before Bridget's day, which was the, the first time I came out there was to help them um, create the, the governance mm. of their community. Mm. And so it was like the perfect timing with what was happening. They're revisiting everything that we had started 12 years ago. Uh. So it was just all like beautifully orchestrated, something I, I would never choose to come to this area at this time of the year. <laughs> they, they were on my list of people I love and places I wanted to see because it's been 12 years since I've been here. But uh, I was thinking in the, you know, spring or summer, right? Yeah, right. Um, but dead no, of winter. Dead of winter. I went and we, we had a great time. Yeah. So I, I think before we go on any further about synchronicity, we should, and just in case people are dropping in that might uh, just kind of stumble on what is the mystical underground? And so it might be also saying, what is synchronicity? Uh, easiest explanation is uh, meaningful coincidence, uh, two words, basically. And uh, oddly enough, I ran into somebody who I believe was a psychiatrist. Uh, I had a friend who's uh, in a... Uh, uh, facility right now because he attempted to commit suicide. He's mm -hmm. has Parkinson's and it's in, in bad shape and he wanted to end it all. And so when I came there uh, to see him, there was a psychiatrist uh, a few minutes, arrived a few minutes later to talk to him. And uh, in the discussion, I just asked her, uh, do you know what synchronicity is? And she said, no. 
And I was really surprised, a psychiatrist, wow. not knowing the word synchronicity, because she was talking about, well, what church do you go to? You know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know a whole different uh, uh, perspective. Uh, and so, you know, uh, so I think the, you know, the, uh, many of us who are, I guess, involved in this shift and this awareness uh, that's going on, uh, take for granted that people know what we're talking about, but not always. True, very true. Okay, you were explaining your time code before we the breakup here. Yeah. So can you explain it? What what you mean by time code? I call synchronicity a time code because for me it's a band of energy that we're moving through. It's a frequency band. And synchronicities to me create time codes. So, for example, when you have a string of synchronicity, it's a marker in time that's mm. kind of guiding you towards something, right? It's it's signposts along a, a path that you're on in your life. And so it's like a wave that that we're, um, my dog's crying. I hope you can't hear that. <laughs> um, it's like a wave that you're, you're writing. Um, and I've noticed that throughout my life, I've had a ton of synchronicity synchronicities like you both have and when I look back um, they're all markers of where like life spirit is directing me and so I I see them as a different um, way of tracking time and so for mm -hmm. me they become time codes it's like when you're in the frequency band you're living in a peak flow state and life just happens for you mm -hmm. like without trying that's why I'm on this world tour without planning and all of that because I know that my soul spirit the universe whatever you want to call it God has a better plan for me than my small limited human mind so my mind has fears it has conditionings it has you know preferences that are often limiting what I feel life is trying to give me so I'm like I need it to be like this and spirit's like but it's like this and it's so huge <laughs> and, and beautiful. Um, so I want to be open to, to receiving and really tracking where spirit's guiding me. So it's a, it's a time code cause it's a frequency that we live in and time expands when you're in synchronistic moments or it speeds mm -hmm. up. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. And, so and just, just real quick, since, since we did, we did have some uh, network issues and we were previously, previously in about seven minutes in uh, Trish, you had also asked about uh, who the royals were. You oh, yeah. Throw that one back in there. Yeah. <laughs> so explain who the royals were <laughs> that you visited. <laughs> that was yeah, interesting. I, that, yeah. Yeah. So I, I never like to name names of my high profile clients, but I did work with royal families in India, a few of them, mm -hmm. um, basically on large land holdings for permaculture projects and eco-community projects that uh. I was helping them um, manage their lands. But I, I also ended up doing a lot of healing work with them, becoming a counselor and a seer and channeling for them. So um, got to know a lot of interesting people through their network as well. Um, How long were you in India? I lived in India for eight years. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought you had lived there. Yeah. yeah. And I just came back. I just visited again. Um, at the end of last year, I was there yeah. for three months. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so on the other side of uh, the royals would be the untouchables. Are there still people that are referred to as untouchables? Yes. What are they? And I like? work with them also. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I just spent um, a few weeks um, doing working on a film, a documentary film. A friend of mine um, has been doing. Um, the, there's gypsies up in Pushkar in the north, um, and they. They're called, um, I'm blanking on the name right now, uh, Cowbelly People. And so she had done a movie on them 20 years ago. And we went back there to see if we could find them and do like a story on where they've been over the last 20 years. And Uh. we did, we found them. So we spent, oh, three weeks, like traveling around on the back of their motorcycles, going into the camps. I mean, they live in tents um, in the middle of the desert and it, it, they're beautiful people. They're um, they work with they're snake charmers, and they work with Kundalini energy and dancing. They're mystics, um, poets. Uh-huh. They're artists, um, but they're very very poor and they're nomadic. But <laughs> now they're kind of camped there, so it's pretty wild when I'm in India because one day I will be with the royal family, and the next day with the Untouchables <laughs> out in the camps, and I show them my photos, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "This is <laughs> yeah. fun." <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and the I farmers. Love, I work with a lot of farmers there as yeah. well. I love how you point out that uh, synchronous quote synchronistic moments allow us to see, if only briefly, the golden threads that stitch our lives together through time, space, and dimensions. So you write that uh, synchronicity allows us to glimpse a bigger tapestry of our lives. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I'm very aware that we are so much more than our human forms, right? Like in the human reality, we minimize everything to this 3D realm and like a job and the conditions of our government and um, what we've been trained to do per se or like jobs, just keeping up with life as it is on this planet. But when we allow ourselves to really access the magic of our biology, we are supernatural creatures um, who exist on many dimensions, just living through a human form. And so when when we get in the flow of synchronicity, we start tapping into what we truly are, the magic of what we are. And I believe for me, it I start to visually see different when I'm in a flow of synchronicity. Like I start seeing all the threads that connect us. I see that tapestry. And it's just so, it's so magical. And and then I wonder why, you know, <laughs> we choose to dumb it down because uh, we have so much capacity. So I'm on a mission to help people remember their true nature and really tap into like the next evolution of their biology, because it's not just some of us. I mean, some of us came, are still open to it or we're actively um, using those muscles, but everybody has that faculty and that ability to to use their supernatural faculties. So, and I think it now more than ever with where the world is going, we need to um, exercise them so they don't atrophy and we become, you know, hmm. so robotic and <laughs> mundane, right? Now, Amelia or Eon, in uh, 2015, you lost your home to a devastating fire. Explain how that event transformed your life. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, I've had many devastating losses in my life, um, but that one 
was different in the sense that my other losses were very personal and private things I couldn't really Mm -hmm. speak about. Actually, I had been living in the US. Uh, I had just returned from India um, only a year at that point. And I had come back to the States because of a devastating issue in in India where I was actually um, poisoned by gurus. And my life was threatened. And I came back to kind of heal and you know, that was a situation that I wasn't able to speak about, right? I couldn't talk to the community. I didn't, I was in shock. I was in trauma. Um, And I came back to the States and I was like, okay, I'm going to rebuild here. And I really follow the directives of spirit, like what it's asking me to do. Um, And I had just done a large event in Oakland, uh, a meditate, outdoor meditation in Oakland called Bless the Lake. And after that, I had death threats. And it was so weird, because it was a meditation event. And it was uh-huh. like, what is going on? Why? Why does this keep happening to me? And then just a few months later, my house um, kind of blew up with all of us in it. Like there was a community household, six of us, and we got out just in the nick of time. But here's the the interesting silver lining for me, because because it was so public, and people actually knew about the death threats, because it was on Facebook. And had like blown up out of proportion. Um, The community came out in my support. And all of a sudden, even though I've had a lot of tragedy in my life, I've kind of walked through fire time and again with having the gifts I have in this kind of world seems to be a a threat to some people. But um, at that time, I had so much community support and it was on the evening news. And suddenly it was like a trauma that everyone understood. And so I had more support than I'd ever had in my life at that moment. I really saw how community, um, how much I needed that kind of love and Uh and support. And so, and then I realized I don't need anything else, really. I mean, (laughs) everything I I needed was already inside me. I didn't need the things or tools. But you you had lost a lot, or your computer, your Oh, I lost everything. Everything you had, you had pajamas, right? And uh, I was in my pajamas, no underwear. It was so embarrassing. I was just like, what? I mean, the amount of synchronicities that were happening before, during, and after the fire, it was mind blowing. So I knew that it was like spirit's way of saying, you are protected, you are guided. Like, yes, maybe what you're doing is like, um, like triggering dark forces or so, you know, it's, it's shining a light on on this sort of cosmic dance that we're in. But it's, I also saw that I am so loved and protected. And I guess I really needed to see that. I needed to have a tangible experience of that that was that public um, for me to to heal some deeper wounds from from my childhood and, and from what had just happened to me in India. Well, now, why were you, why, why were people threatening you with death? In, in India, in every, you know, it's something that's followed me um, since I'm a child. It, it's huh. it's not new for me. It, I've had many death attempts on my life, and I know that sounds so weird to hear. I mean, the, <laughs> there's there's all I can say is that for some reason, when you have the ability to see things that are in the shadow that people don't want looked upon, mm-hmm. um, you become a threat, which 
it's not that I'm trying to see things. It's just an ability that I somehow and was innately born with. And I've, you know, I grew up in a, a Christian, uh, what I would call a cult that mm-hmm. um, had a lot of dark forces attached to it. So there was a lot of um, bad things happening to the, to the kids in my church that I could see. And somehow the fact that I saw it and was cognizant of it, and I wasn't susceptible to a lot of manipulation. And it was similar with the gurus. I, I was working with them. They were my business partners and, um, and I thought my friends, um, but then backstage, I was very aware of some underhanded things. And, you know, in India specifically, like they deal with things very differently than in the U S like, if they don't like how things are going, they just want to take you out. They find ways to to take you out, whether it was, you know, whether it's black magic, because I have been in these kind of, because of the gifts I carry and, and the work that I do and how, you know, when, when you have mystical mm-hmm. abilities, um, there different people are aware of you and you're in a different arena. So it was different types of initiations that I needed to walk through. I'm, you know, sometimes I think why I don't understand. I'm just this like nobody trying to like spread love and light and and make a better world and why. And then I was like, oh, that's why, because they, it's disrupting what they're trying to do, which is, you know, control and manipulate. So, so, so you've had experiences with dark matter more or less, uh, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so I've is, been for I've been formed. They are my greatest teachers. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of a synchronicity for us because before I, you arrived, we were talking about Pearl Jam's new album coming out, which is called Dark Matter. <laughs> so, okay, so Rob. It well, it's, it's a yeah, big issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something we should all be aware of. Yeah. You want to hear the first four lyrics? Of this? No, yeah, say yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let, let us know. Steal the light from our eyes. Take my blood from my heart. We're in all this dark matter. Take the breath from my chest. Wow. That's what it's trying to do. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, and we've to... got like CERN. Uh-huh. I'm gonna have to post this episode on the on the <laughs> ten on the ten club forums. That's the official <laughs> Pearl Jam forum. So okay, anyway. Right. <laughs> I hope it's okay to steal their uh, <laughs> or quote them. Uh, well, get a it's, copyright. It's it's, it's fair, fair fair use. They they're wanting to promote a new album. So, <laughs> yeah. so and it should... started be- because their their album cover looks like uh, yeah. a bit like your uh, book. Cover, Do you have so. it there? I want to see it. Can you see it? Uh, oh no. no oh yeah wait pull that, it back oh it... oh i see it's a it's a black hole right it's kind of swirl can you... yeah that's a black hole wherever yeah. all the light gets refra- right. refracted yeah, around right. it yeah. so well, in my cover coming yeah. back to the light yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little different John. and to be yeah. clear to be clear that wasn't the album cover that was just the first that was the first frame of the video the album oh, cover okay. actually does look a little more like uh and I, i'll see if i can pull it up and screen share it here in a okay. Uh, okay, done but go ahead but but finish finish your thought please well <laughs> yeah so um you know the light shines in in dark space right the stars shine brightest in the darkest spaces right and um this is what the the cover of my book shows the uh, 
I did the best I could to show a depiction of what the soul looks like when it's illuminated and embodied uh-huh. in form. Um, and I, the reason I wrote this book is to share with people how to take dominion back over their own spiritual anatomy, because so much of the darkness on the planet, the, the energy that feeds off our light that wants us to, to enslave us or, or wants us to stay, you know, dumb and broke and, and miserable, <laughs> whatever we want to call that, um, that energy uh, tends to knock us out of our field so that it can utilize our field. So when we're in fear, when we're um, in distress, when we're in disease, uh, this energy can feed off like a parasite feeds off of our light. And so I'm on a mission to help people restructure their energy grids so that they can understand how to be a force of nature, how to be a co-creator with nature, how to remember and uh, recreate their own capacity to um, direct. And and what did we come here to do? I mean, we're living at a really important time in history <clears throat> where I believe all of us are are needed. And we each, each single individuation of us has, has a gift inside us that's needed to shine forth. And uh, in order to allow our gifts to shine, we need to first understand how to contain our energy. So people can have, you know, you hear people having spiritual awakenings all the time. And that was me since a young age, but I wasn't able to really hold my light because again, another dark force, another trauma, another event would happen to me where I couldn't um, really hold my light. And I do believe that's why I've had so many intense situations. They, that's why I was saying they are my greatest teachers because it's made me get stronger and stronger mm-hmm. in how to contain my energy and stay in stay embodied as a soul in the body. Well, now, as a result of this fire and this journey you've been on, um, you've developed a particular synchronicity method. Can, can you, you know, about the keys, can you explain that to us? Yeah. So the, the synchronicity method is what I was just explaining. It, it's a guided practice that I, uh-huh. there's protocols um, and I explain it in key number three of my book. Um, and there's a, a free downloadable uh, guided practice you can get on my website to, to experience it. It's, it's an experiential practice. It, you can think about it and understand it cognitively. That's one level. But when you do it, that's when your soul gets the codes and understands how to hold itself in the physical form and it starts to recreate your reality. Um, so there's there's four main protocols of how to align your energy and how to frame your energy. So you can really see the difference between who and what you are versus the other. So we're individuating mm-hmm. for the sake of understanding how to access source. And and that's really important. I think there's so much spiritual bypassing going on and people reach higher dimensions, but they're they're leaving their body. And when you leave your body to astral travel or to to even have psychic vision, you're often leaving your your lower your lower chakras open for other entities to host. And I'm on a mission to help people understand, no, you need to be in the driver's seat and take up your space and shine brighter 
And that is the synchronicity method. So when you get into the frequency band and you start energizing yourself in this way, then a lot of synchronicities happen and you're in that co-creation with the universe and you're starting to realize you don't have to effort so much. Things just uh-huh. unfold and happen for you or with you yeah, and for you. Mm-hmm. We've always kind of argued over time, uh, Trish and I, uh, whether you can actually create synchronicity. Uh, I think you can, but not very, I don't think you can create a specific synchronicity because that would be cause and effect, I would think. Uh, so you know what you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Because you're uh, you can I guess well you can explain or you put well your you mind- you can create the conditions where synchronicity is more likely to happen. You know the conditions in your life you can be more open, more receptive, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you can make them up. Like you can make meaning out of just uh-huh. recognizing every little pattern. Like you see people get into that hyper. awareness state and it's very ungrounded and Mm -hmm. kind of like oh it's a sign it's a sign it's like okay okay like calm down calm down (laughs) like take a deep breath like let's go hug a tree let's get your feet in the earth right have some Um, coffee yeah (laughs) i don't know that might make it worse yeah that'd make it worse (laughs) have wine that would make it worse um yeah so for me i agree with both of what you're saying um it's a slightly different. It's it's like we want to get in the time code of synchronicity. Mm-hmm. So synchronicity isn't something that's um, like outside of us happening. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we get in flow? How, how do we create the conditions within us to attune to synchronicity? Because life should be that effortless, that it should be that magical. Um, if, if we're living in our true nature, then life should, like, I expect synchronicities, not, I'm not expecting how they come or what they are. I just know that I can trust that they will be there Uh if I'm, if I'm in alignment. Mm -hmm. So how do you distinguish between a synchronicity that guides us forward uh, to one that is serving as a warning uh, that the path you're following uh, could be dangerous? Or unwelcome. Yeah, yeah. I love that question. I, I grappled with that a lot. Even while I was writing the book, um, I share a story about Mr. Fox and all the foxes. And I was starting to get like in that like ungrounded space, like, oh my God, the fox is a trickster and it's a bad omen. <laughs> and like, what does it mean? And what I'm realizing is that um, synchronicities don't mean yes or no. It, it's mm-hmm they just are like, they're, they're just showing strings of events. And I don't think it means like go down this road or don't go down that road. It could depending on how you interpret it, but we, we have our own spiritual vocabulary of what signs, symbols, pattern recognition means for us. Uh Right. Like, like if you're the 1111 person or, or the, you know, whatever that is, you know, when you see those signs, it, it lights you up and sort of illuminates your path to go in that direction. For me, I have those, you know, number signposts and things like that, but it doesn't mean yes or no. It just means like, oh, I'm in the flow. I'm uh-huh. pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. 
things are unfolding. So I've had a number of very dark synchronicities, if we can call it that, like things that were super synchronistic, especially like in relations, like the one I share in the book, um, which wasn't dark, but it wasn't necessarily um, enjoyable, but uh-huh. it was karmic. It was necessary. I grew a lot from it. It was magical. It was serendipitous at times. And at other times it was, you know, some of my hardest lessons, you know, Adam and I uh, lost a child, you know, we got pregnant and then I, I had a miscarriage right um, after I launched the first edition of the book. And ironically, seven years later, we just met in Florida a few months back and um, just to kind of see each other after this whole thing. And all the synchronicities were there too. It was just whenever we're near each other, it's so magical. Like everything's unfolding. Does it mean he's my partner? No, I don't believe it does. I mean, I think it can be confusing, right? Some people can be like, well, it means you're meant to be together. I'm like, well, no, that's not what it means for me. It it just means that we have a soul connection and mm-hmm. we're on a journey together and we're learning from each other. So how does he your... interpret it? Um, sure. That's a good question. I think for him, it's been a bit overwhelming for uh-huh. him to understand. It's too much almost like he wants it to stop because it, it can make him feel very ungrounded and manic. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. when there's so many synchronicities so fast, I'm used to them. Mm-hmm. Like I've been trained like this. I've been having this my whole life. It kind of happens wherever I go with a lot of people. So <laughs> it's not for me, it's not like, whoa, what, you know, but <laughs> for a lot of people it, yeah, it is. And I think true. for him, he's still grappling with what it means for him. Yeah. Um, And I think we all have to find that meaning for ourselves. We can't Mm -hmm. blanket it and say, well, because these strings of events happened and they're so complex, it means you're supposed to do this. No, it just, it, it's just that they're complex. They're Uh multi-layered. There's a lot there. Um, How does, how do you make it, how does it make you feel, you know? Um, So that we still have choice is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So using uh, some of the terminology of your book, so he uh, he would not you would not consider him as a soulmate, but he might be in your monad. Would that be the case? Yeah, it could be. Um, that, yeah, that can lead us to an explanation of what a monad is. <laughs> yeah. So so the monad. Um, okay, so I should just back up and say that this information comes from deep meditation, not from something I read or. It's just my own interpretation of what spirit has shown me in deep states Mm -hmm. of meditation. The monad is the oversoul that is comprised of your soul group. So it's a collective consciousness. And to me, my monad speaks to me and I speak to it and I speak for it. So I'm on a mission to... um, restitch my golden network that's part of why i'm on this world tour it's finding those in my soul group um those soulmates of mine that we're here to do we have a mission on earth and we're here to remember each other at the soul level Uh and when we are together and when we meditate together and when we're in each other's presence we elevate each other's consciousness and Uh within a monad um there's 12 groups of 12 and some of those souls may or may not be on 
on the earth at this time incarnate and human. They might be in other star systems. They might um, have been here and are deceased. They, you may know them, you may not know them, but you can always connect to them through meditation and through doing the practice. So like the cover of my book, when you're, when you form yourself like this, which is the synchronicity method, when you illuminate uh, your soul in your heart and you take ownership of your frame, you can start to communicate with your monad and your monad starts to communicate with you. Um, and that's when we start really building this beautiful golden lattice work around the earth and really living into that you know, it sounds very utopian, but there's a golden age. I believe that's possible when we live in that frequency. I've experienced it. We, I haven't been able to sustain it with others yet because I think that we're still working through a lot of shadow. Um, but more and more people are able to hold that frequency. And I believe that when at least 12 of us, whether we're in the same soul group or not, when 12 of us can hold that frequency and just illuminate do my synchronicity method, what I call the synchronicity method mm. and hold the frequency together. It shifts things for the whole um, monad. And once one monad open or once one group of 12 opens, the whole monad um, comes online. And I believe this is the rainbow bridge that many people speak about and, and what steps us into that new earth architecture. I believe it's a, an architecture of light. Okay, you said 12 groups of 12. Does everybody have a monad that's 12 groups of 12? Yes. That's 144 people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> that's your soul group. Okay. And then and then there's 12 monads that are going to awaken to what is the 144,000, which are the light bearers of the planet right now that are here, I believe, guiding the ship home you know guiding this evolutionary process so yeah. that's what we've understood well you know yeah. what's interesting about that number as far as uh connected to an individual is you know uh at you know uh facebook uh zuckerberg i had said a long time ago that uh uh any any individual could only be a, well and i don't think he was the one that came up with this i'm pretty sure he was quoting some research some previous research but that you know as an individual you could only be acquainted with roughly you know a little over 100 people so that's interesting hmm. that that number that that, that yeah. number resurfaces like that so anyway yeah that is interesting there's yeah, um a swami i i worked with uh his community in india um and he he's built many communities around the world and anytime it reached 125 to 150 he would create a new one and i was wondering like why that was and um i read a lot of his books as i was working with them and i i saw that for him it was like after 125 between 125 150 so again like the 144 number uh -huh. it would get so political and the community would turn on itself so he always started another one. He never let them get more than that in one community. Um, and, and, and I that thought that was fascinating. That totally makes sense. But and, well, <laughs> and actually, that well, and anyways, yeah. But 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 very specifically, it's just the fact that there's there 
unless you unless you are way out on the spectrum somewhere, there's no way that you can be familiar with. Mm-hmm. I mean, even a hundred people sounds crazy, but but once you get over that, how can you possibly have in, any interesting interaction with these people? If I mean, you can't, you simply can't know them. You can't know them personally. Is the point of things? So. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, isn't it the, the Jehovah Witnesses who believe, or it's some religious belief? Many, that, yeah, many religions. Forty-four thousand yeah. people right. will be taken up. Yeah, right. I, I I only found that out after I published the book. I, I had a number of people <laughs> <laughs> tell me that, um, <laughs> and then I realized, yes, I think the Bible speaks about it. Um, the Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, the the Jews, um, the Indians also, hmm. I think they, they call it more the thousand sons or something, but uh-huh. it's all the 144 is the sacred right. number. And it's represented in the flower of life symbol also, um, which I share in the book is that that geometry formed for me when I was in the meditation to show me the lattice work and show me how it was all connected and what we look like as souls, as spiritual beings and mm-hmm. how, how we're connected and how we can um, send a homing beacon basically by illuminating ourselves to magnetize those that we're looking for. And, and when we're in the presence of our soul group, we just feel such a, a kinship um, and things just start to, to magnetize towards us, like things start working in that sort uh-huh. of golden network yeah. way. Um, so you, you're able to make contact through uh, through meditation, but are, are there other ways of doing it too? Because I had an experience uh, quite a while ago in, in Greece, in Mykonos, where I was on uh, LSD, and uh, <laughs> I had this experience where suddenly I was in contact with all of these beings that were related to me and a higher level and there it was almost like they're in a uh, stanza uh, of an auditorium and they they suddenly uh started cheering and uh, i heard the the words you're finally waking up yeah <laughs> that's very common yeah. that's yeah. a very common way that they show up and yeah um lsd or other psychedelics or plant medicines can mm-hmm. can bring you to those places with the right intention um right. so clearly you were ready to meet them yeah, yeah. yeah, I like to do it in a sober state because <laughs> I find that, um, and it's not that I'm against plant medicine, you know, I've done them, um, they have their place. But what I found is that if we use plant medicines or, you know, psychedelics to reach those states, then we we lose our own ability often to do it in a sober state. And then we don't allow it to live through us in the waking state so it becomes like a split of consciousness where it's only happening when you're high or when you're under the influence instead of when you're awake walking down the street and so one of the reasons i started the mystery school was to help people um build that bridge so that it's they can be awake while they're awake (laughs) while while they're walking through the world but I've mm-hmm. known people who have used psychedelics to blow open that door initially. It does blow open the yeah. door. But the problem is um, they need the medicine to go right. there. They, they're mm-hmm. not able to do it from a sober state. And then they get kind of hooked or addicted to this, the peak states. 
and they're unable to really use that information in their daily life. So I'm really here on a mission to help people take, you know, so if you could talk to the council, Rob, every day, what I call the council, your, your soul group, your monad every day and be informed by them, you know, how beautiful would your life be if you knew that you didn't have to do LSD, you could just, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, tap your ear and boom, they're right in front of you. Um, This is the reality I'm here to ground because Mm -hmm. it's very possible. And often, you know, the plant medicines and psychedelics, they, they do help open that bridge and, and show us that it's there, but our physical brain and body need it to be here for us to own it. Otherwise we start to split our consciousness. So anyone I've worked on, who's done a lot of plant medicines or smokes pot regularly, um, they somehow have two tracks going and they're unable to bridge. So it's like they have their high state and their sober state and they're losing the receptors of the bridge. And that can, you know, that concerns me. I feel like we should use it in moderation to open some of those doors if they're calcified and need to get open, but let's practice from a sober, healthy state so we can really embody it and make the change here and not live in the ethers, right? Mm -hmm. Like to really embody it in the physical form. Yeah, I agree with everything you say. I mean, this was uh, uh, the the, uh, May uh, of uh, 1975 when I had that experience. So so I don't (laughs) know. You do it every weekend, but you know, quite young. Have you talked to them since? Uh, Maybe in dreams. I I, I seem to have an active dream life where I am in contact with other beings. Well, maybe now that we're having this conversation, they'll be back in touch. Right. Yeah. You're ready to receive them. Well, also, I think you do it through fiction too, Rob. You know, creatively. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean that's where I uh, yeah. when I'm in a creative uh, uh, mode, synchronicities pop up. Like yeah. uh, uh, working on something uh, about World War II in France uh, with with the uh, the French Resistance, and suddenly we turn on the television, and there's a movie about the <laughs> same thing, you know, that and, and providing me more information that I yeah. needed, you know, and you know, it wasn't that I looked it up; it, it just was there, you know. Yeah, exact timing. So that's the time code. You're you're uh, in the flow, and when we're in the flow, creativity abounds. I mean, it is yeah. everywhere. It's so creative, and that's what's so magical about it. Yeah. Hmm. John, were you gonna? Oh, well, no, well, no, but uh, well, yeah, I had I had a question, but I think you guys. John's like the voice of God here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, no, no, I, we call it's the it's the disembodied voice of the producer. That's what we call. No, it is very much not so. But but uh, I think the moment I think I think the moment that everybody's been waiting for. Is and let's see if I can uh, let's see if I can uh, successfully screen share with this template. So we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go with uh, Eon's uh, uh, book, cover book cover first. Okay. So let's see if this works. Yeah, it's such oh, a pretty cool. cover. Yeah. All right. So you guys see that? Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. All right, we got that. All right. So so nice. now so now let's uh, stop sharing and this is the. Uh, this is the uh, the Pearl Jam cover. The Pearl Jam cover. Wow! Oh, oh that's okay. incredible. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That is very cool. 
Now there's yeah. a synchronicity in action. Dark matter. <laughs> so that's, that's great. Dark matter, but, but yeah. it's it's light yeah. in the center though. Yeah. Yep. 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 Surrounded. Yeah, yep. So. But it, so, yep. So, yeah, I think that is an interesting, because uh, that, that is. is the first thing that when I was putting, starting to put some stuff together this morning, getting ready for the show, uh, I saw the book cover and I was like, I've, I've seen, I saw this like three days ago or four days ago now. It's, uh, it's a new Pearl Jam cover. So, that's so cool. uh, I didn't even know Pearl Jam was still, uh, there's still a thing. And actually, <laughs> if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to be in Chicago in August, they're playing Wrigley Field two nights in a row. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wrigley Field. Wow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they, they still attract a, a large audience, huh? They do. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They do. But, uh, but no, See, I thought that was interesting because that, uh, yeah, that that same kind of like particle field, which uh, uh, yeah, Fiona was saying was uh, is you know kind of the uh, uh, I guess the representation of the soul. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Eon, I think you, we could, need... you could go down and work with them. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh yeah, that would be fun. I mean, we need to be aware of these the particle fields because um, as we know, science is speeding up and evolving and. With CERN's, you know, particle colliders all over the world, you know, there's thousands of them. They are opening uh, dark matter and other anomalies of our space. And I believe that is extremely important for us to know how to hold ourselves and our spiritual frame so that as the world shifts because it's going to shift and get weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, clearly we have, you know, disclosure happening of what's really been, been going on backstage and to know your sovereignty and know how to navigate your own cockpit and what you're responsible for, because we're not responsible for anything outside of our system. Um, many empaths and people who are on the spiritual path, are very empathic and they they're kind of taking everything in right they're processing everything in the world through their system and we need to learn how to build up our boundaries and and not do that and really understand what's ours to to master and let go of and what's not ours and and really build up the the actual anatomical boundary um, so that a, we're not so permeable do you think a monad can have ets Oh, absolutely. Uh -huh. Mine does. <laughs> Yours does. Yeah, <laughs> true. That's, that's kind of what I figured. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. And who are we? I mean, where did we come from, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're all aliens. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Ian, uh, so you're traveling around the country and the world. <laughs> And as you're doing that, you're having new experiences all the time. But in key three called slow down to speed up, you suggest that it's not necessarily a good idea to be open to new experiences all the time. Can you explain the dichotomy there? In, in the context of what I was saying in that key, it's about, um, you know, we all have kind of ADD as a species. <laughs> like we've been trained by our phones to be like stimulated all the time mm -hmm. and to take in more stimulation. It's very hard for us to like pause and just, you know, take a long mm -hmm. breath, even here, right? Like it would be an awkward silence if, if nobody was talking for five minutes, but it's those moments of really slowing down ourselves, slowing down our heart rate, slowing 
down our breath, our mind, um, when the, the answer comes. So like in your creative writing project, you, you stopped writing and you went to watch TV probably to like relax. And then mm-hmm. the answer yeah. was there, right? <laughs> right. Like the answer that it, it just enriched your creativity tenfold uh-huh. or we, I know we all experience this when, you know, we're working and we're kind of stuck and we don't have anything to say and we need to take a walk and we need to get up. And it's right. in those moments when we're taking mm-hmm. a break, when we're walking on the beach, when, when we're staring at the stars, taking a shower, nothing, yeah. taking a shower, you know, right. it's in those moments where the genius strikes and right. that's the, the idea or the creative spark that gives rise to the next evolution of your work or something that you're going to put out in the world that speeds you up. But if you constantly sat at the computer and kept like forcing yourself to chop away or just kept bouncing around from like shiny object to shiny object, you're Mm -hmm. missing the, the spirit gift. Like I said in the beginning, like that gift that's right in front of you, spirits trying to give it to you and you're just busying yourself not giving yourself the space to to receive it so even even einstein took naps (laughs) you know before he he came upon relativity he was right at the brink and then he took a nap woke up and he knew what to say and what it was it's always that i think all intelligent people know Mm -hmm. that it's in the breaks and in the lifestyle of taking care of the body the body is so intelligent like it knows we override it all the time. Like we constantly use our brain to override all the other intelligences that are trying to communicate with us. So really slowing down. And in this case, doing key three is about the synchronicity method and how do you slow down? So take 10 minutes a day Mm -hmm. to do the method. You know, you can meditate, but this isn't an active meditation. It's a it's an activation more than a meditation. Mm-hmm. Like it'll put you in a meditative state, but it's really a, a practice to tune your um, your spiritual muscles and clear your, like do spiritual hygiene to clean uh-huh. the energy that you've picked up to get back to your natural state, to power up your innate intelligence. And, and that takes some time. So, you know, if you do it 10 minutes a day, for a month, I guarantee you, you will be a different person at the end. Like you will have a different experience of reality. You will have a different experience of your relationships. Like you'll see things differently. You'll see the world differently and synchronicities will be off the chart. Mm-hmm. Well, and, <laughs> well, and, and, and real quick, I'm <laughs> just, uh, uh, I'm a software developer by day. And so this is my, my, my side gig. But but that is that is a huge thing in uh, in uh, in computer science is pattern mm-hmm. matching and it really is when you when it, I think a big thing with synchronicity with synchronicities is just is just opening up and calming down and recognizing the uh, allowing the computer that we carry around in our head you know mm-hmm. to to make those to to match those patterns because uh they're out there absolutely you know that's how we that's how we that's a lot that's a big part of how we have the technology we have now also the what's being called ai right now not artificial intelligence just a lot of pattern matching so yeah Hmm. Yeah. well i i want to say something about that because for me synchronicity isn't just pattern matching although that's how 
we interpret it. For me, the synchronicity as the time code, it's the wave, right? It's we're like surfing tsunamis when we're in synchronicity time. And so it's not about the synchronicity itself, but where it's taking us. So when, when we allow it to flow, we're going to have extreme creativity. We're going to be enjoying our life so much more. It gets so much more meaningful, so much more magical. It opens doors that we didn't even know existed in terms of connections to people opportunities for our own personal growth and development and we start finding that we're here for a bigger reason than we can even yep about the it's soul a mission. quantum wave well it's, yeah yeah well and, and i mean i think it is just i think the pattern matching is just recognizing that mm -hmm. you're in that you're that you're that that some that that something's going on because and rob i think you know like the uh What's the uh, what's the uh, license plate story you've told in the past? Or <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, being is, is is a good example of what yeah. kind of what more of what I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah. I I was taking two people to the Miami airport. <laughs> uh, this is and, great. Yeah, the, uh, they one of them uh, they they had come from uh, Jamaica, and the the man had a little uh, New Age church there. Uh, I can't think of the name of the little town. Uh, the coast where he was doing that but uh it, so he, he was pretty far out there and he was always in this spiritual mode and so when we were driving this was when, when i would last see those two uh <laughs> in my life probably uh it was a very uh you know intense spiritual conversation and this uh, car passes us and it says zen 665 uh, and he points uh what is his name i can't think of his name now uh he points out and said wouldn't it be something if zen 666 appeared <laughs> within two minutes zen 666 <laughs> appeared on a license plate passing us you know i mean and then like two years later i saw that license plate again <laughs> you know? wow must have been the same guy <laughs> yeah i don't know it was it seemed like it was a different car though which you know i don't know well, maybe the, same. <laughs> the plates yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, maybe someone story. to be aware of <laughs> or to yeah. run from. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. Very so, cool. Yeah. So in your everyday world, when things are kind of normal, you're not meditating or anything. <laughs> are, uh, are, are, are there are things are there things that make you angry? And if so, how do you deal with anger? Oh, I like that question. Um if anyone from my past could hear this, they'd be like, yeah, she, she's angry, um, <laughs> especially the men. Um, but yeah, of course, there are things that make me angry. Anger to me is one of my, I would say it's a superpower of mine because I, I it's a catalyst. It's a big catalyst uh -huh. for me. When I get angry, I feel it's spirit's way of like lighting a fire underneath me to do something to create change. Um, I mean, I wrote this book out of a state of, of anger in a lot of ways, like as a, like, I need people like shaking the world, like, please understand this, like we're in a desperate need. And, uh, but what was your question? How do I manage it? Yeah. How do I deal with it? Well, yeah, I, for I have a lot of ways to deal with it. Depends on the level, the level of anger. 
Um, but it has been one of my greatest teachers and instigators. And I like to transmute it as fast as possible, but that's not always the case. So, you know, I, I need to feel it. I need to let it out. Um, I do not direct anger at anybody. Uh, I think that's a misuse of power and very dangerous, especially for someone like me who carries a lot of energy. Like if I direct my anger, it, I feel it's dangerous to the other mm -hmm. person and to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, learned that the hard way. So for me, if I need to express anger, yeah, I did martial arts for years that really helped. Um, and then I got to a point where I didn't feel that angry anymore. Um, I sat in meditation for a year, like almost eight hours a day, uh, oh seeing red, I was so angry. Yeah. And just kept praying and praying on my knees, like take this from me, like help me, you know, what, what do I do with this? I need to transmute this. Uh -oh. um, it's what has enabled basically all my work, all the communities I've created, everything I've done has been an expression of me transmuting anger mm -hmm. um, because yeah. it comes from deep seated pain, things that atrocities that I've seen mm -hmm. that I just can't stand for anymore. And it, it pushes me to a level to create. So I would say to anyone who's experiencing anger as much as I have, um, that it is a calling and we need to pay attention to it. We cannot run from it. You can only like, it, it only hurts us. Like it, it hurt my mm -hmm. body a lot to not release the anger. Um, and I, you never know when it's going to heal. Like I had been angry, poof, like 20, 30 years for a few different topics until now I can say I'm in a state of peace around that. Like I've accepted it. I've understood it and I'm not fighting because the fighting didn't really work. But what really helps me is finding a vehicle to create change. Because if you're really angry, it's because you have a solution for something that other people don't have. So it means you're supposed to speak. So for me, it was learning how to, to speak when I felt silenced all my life, you know, all my childhood and young adult, I felt like I didn't have a voice. I couldn't speak. I felt every time I was going to speak, I was going to get killed. So I had to overcome a lot of fear um, because I held, you know, I saw things that people didn't want seen or spoken about. Um, so finding ways to like, you know, the work I do with leaders and, um, you know, helping people to master their energy is because of that. I don't want them to misuse it. So sure. I find ways to do something positive, uh, with it, you know, yeah. oh, that's good. But sometimes it seems it's just a good release, you know, to let it go, but then uh, to release it, but then immediately forget it or get away from it, you know, and move into a calm state. And after having that, you know, experience. Well, if you can, then that's great. That's not deep seated anger. That's just yeah. like pissed off. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, Trish, My anger Trish is. And not... I know about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get angry frivolously generally like I, I'm very slow to anger my anger is something like ancient old it's like thousands yeah. of years old. like when I'm angry I have the rage of Kali like I've got <laughs> thousands of years behind me of like you know so it, that's a different kind of anger right and I think a right. lot of women carry that rage and we're seeing it right with with everything that's going on especially mm -hmm. in, in Palestine and Israel right now like a lot of female rage is is out and mm -hmm. we need to heal it and the women need to speak their anger we need 
ways to be heard because we have been silenced for for thousands of years and it hasn't been safe for us to express. Um, But now I believe we're at a time where women need to rise into leadership more than ever. The feminine leadership, Uh the the feminine wisdom, whether it's coming through a man or or a female, um, it needs to rise up because that that unconditional love, that uh, those solutions that have, that connect us heart to heart or what's needed right now. We don't need to, you know, bomb each other. Right. So I think we're at a time where we need to learn to manage our anger, but I have done workshops. I've taken them and I also lead them to get people to really release uh, rage where we slam, you know, yoga mats (laughs) on the ground or, you know, (laughs) we find ways, Uh, martial arts, I I mentioned earlier, um, breaking boards, to just get it out because it sticks in the body and we need to uh, we need to get yeah. it out so we're and, well, and, to- and, and and sometimes all it takes is zoom uh you know, just <laughs> zoom not acting as expected that's so. true <laughs> <they don't laughs> exactly yeah the, the digital world can be very helpful and very technology is great when it works as yeah, expected but right. go ahead rob sorry yeah so we're coming to the end of our hour here uh i just have one more question uh is it a lot of work to practice your synchronicity method and how long does it take to get results um, no, it's not a lot of work at all. So if you practice, you know, 10, 11 minutes, if you're starting out, you you probably, the more you do it, the more you'll want to do it, like sit in it. But if you did 10 minutes for 20, 21 days, I have a 21 day challenge. Um, I have a cor- an online course, uh, very simple to to get on and do it on your own and get the support. But after 21 days, you will have extraordinary results, no doubt. Everyone I know who I've taught it to and has done it for 21 days, their mm-hmm. life is totally different afterwards. Uh. And um, it's such a joy for me to see people take their power back like that and really open the gates. I mean, if you really want to know who you, and what you are and why you're here, um, the synchronicity method will get you there. You can get a free copy on my website. If you go to the synchronicitybook.com, you can download um, a free guided version. I also have a, an online course for $97. It's You have it for two months to practice and it has all the protocols, all the steps. It really goes into depth um, and you get my support and can you know chat with me about it because it you'll have questions, you'll have experience. It's an experiential process. So once you start doing it, you're going to wake up, you're going to have a lot of synchronicities, uh-huh. you're going to start feeling things. And that's when it gets really exciting and, and, and fun. <laughs> and you'll start gathering your your soul group. Okay. Well, Thank now you tell very much. People, wait, wait, tell people where they can find you online and all that. Just yeah. So no, the, the, mean, the that's synchronicity the book. book yeah. The synchronicitybook.com is, is my primary site right now um, where all that information is. And uh, on Instagram, you can follow me and my world tour at know, know okay. the self, T H E, know the self. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Right. Wow. This has been great, Amelia. Yeah. Okay. Eon. Fun. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Right. Yeah. So yeah, fun and, to talk to you guys again. And enjoy your uh, travels around the world in this year. This should be interesting for you. Thank and you I'll so s- much. I'll send you the link when John sends it to us, so you'll have it to. Perfect. Yes, want. I will share okay. it. With my great. Okay. Great Network. talking to you again. Yeah. Great you talking too. to you. So fun. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Take-
Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.